Commencing retinal scan. Scanning. Retinal scan complete. Access denied. It appears you do not have clearance for this sector. Kindly remove yourself, or I shall do it for you. We'll need key cards to access the maximum security wing, Doctor. Please wait here. I need to recharge my shield energy. Recharging. Doctor, a question. Why was I equipped with an energy shield? The aquariums in this exhibit hall contain over 5,000 fish. For your own protection, please do not touch the water. Analyzing data. No life forms detected. Location appears to be uninhabitable. Forgive my curiosity, sir, but what are we looking for? I'm sorry. That option is no longer available. Savages are at our gate. Have a nice day. Hello and welcome to Elegamer the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and with me today is Julia Nathanson. Hello, I am Julie Nathanson. Nice to meet you. First of all, <laughs> first of all, awesome name, by the way. That's a pretty awesome <laughs> name. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's my it sounds my given name. It's it sounds like um it sounds like a, a protagonist from a detective novel, like or an action hero. Really? <laughs> really? Julie Nathanson sounds like a detective or like a this is great. I've never been told that before, but now my entire awareness of my identity will shift. No, I mean, because it's it's you know, because there was like that wasn't there like that um that period in the nineties when um when they had like really obscure, uh, uh, really weird like last names like Ryder, Matrix, Hawkins, and stuff like that, and then and then at some point like people noticed how outlandish the, those names got, and then they just toned them down to Smith. <laughs> <laughs> right, John Smith. Somebody posted the other day. I want to say it might have been Alana Pierce, but I could be wrong. But somebody posted all the different characters Keanu Reeves has played with the word John in them. And it's shockingly a large list. Like it's re it's really worth looking at, but yes, uh, uh, I've, I've never been told that, that my name is um, any sort of detective intrigue oriented badass. I remember when I started as an actor, I thought about changing my name because I thought it wasn't flashy enough, but decided to keep it and here we are now it's actually still me <laughs> no i mean because because a lot of people come to hollywood they're like oh my name is too generic i need a pseudonym so you have like people changing their names to sound less to sound more interesting than they actually are <laughs> <laughs> which is so interesting because my all the characters i play are so much more interesting than i could ever be so the idea of needing my name to be sort of a source of intrigue is is sort of silly i think it's it's better for me to just be me and let all the act let, let all of the um the characters i get to to act and portray be the uh the fascinating ones with the, the really interesting names <laughs> all right um, and and you know speaking of your acting career here's a quick retrospective you started out and I did my research. I'm going by IMDb here, so you know it could be accurate. It could be complete horseshit, but but uh, but I'm going by IMDb. You started out doing a couple of episodes of 90210, the original, not the not the reboots, like the not original. the reboot. No, no, it'd be cool if I could say the reboot because that would it would make me sound you know 
um, younger and cooler, but no, no, no. Um, I, I did start out, I started out non-camera. Um, I did, I began my career actually in um, soap operas and, and yes, I was um, on the seventh season of the original 90210 and a handful of episodes as Ellen Fogarty, the president of the sorority that uh, Donna was uh, pledging or in at the time. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was a trip. It was a long time ago. <laughs> so long that they've done a remake. <laughs> and, and, uh, but I think, you know, your voice acting debut, at least the one I'm most familiar with back in the day is the Zeta project. <laughs> that was your, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like the, I think the first series you did, like where you were the main lead. But you yes, had you absolutely. had you had originally played that character in an episode of Batman Beyond that was like a stealth pilot to that series and <laughs> yeah 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 that was my first um, certainly my first series regular um, I I I'm, I guess I'm trying to think of Trumpet of the Swan came first but it was certainly one of my my very earliest um, animation gigs and it was pretty shortly after coming out to Los Angeles from New York where, where I had started, um, again, in on-camera acting and, and also with voiceover. Um, and I very much wanted to get into animation and, and I was extremely excited to, to jump right in and certainly to jump right in with DC was kind of dreamy. Of course, of course, it's kind of sad, like the show kind of fell into obscurity over the years and it became a, it became a thing of, oh, this existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's funny, you know, every once in a while someone will, will bring it up and, you know, maybe at a convention or um, on a panel and people are excited about it still, you know, the, the fact that it was a, a spinoff of Batman Beyond, I think, gave it a little extra street cred. And um, Dietrich Bader was just a, a really wonderful person to work with. Um, he played Zeta on the Zeta Project and I was his human 15-year-old sidekick and we were on the lamb. Um, but it was really fun, and, and, and Bob Goodman, who created the show, is still a dear friend to this day. Um, so it was it was a really wonderful, formative experience for me. Um, and I will always look back on that time with fondness. You know, I guess um, the longevity and, and, and ratings or whatever, that sort of doesn't, it doesn't end up affecting my experience of it. Um, I guess I have, I have a little, rom like a, a romanticized, memory of it um you know sitting you know being directed by andrea romano and, and having all these wonderful guest stars coming in and um michael rosenbaum you know just just really wonderful people that i got to work with so early in my career weirdly enough people who would also go on to do various other projects for dc over the years indeed indeed <laughs> yeah uh no man i think yeah wasn't michael rosenbaum like the flash as well uh, during this time like he was the flash and lex Luthor at the time so there you go at the that is information i'm gonna i'm gonna leave to you to corroborate because <laughs> it was 2001 right and zeta project so i would yeah. imagine yeah, yeah. 2000, 2001 that was like when justice yeah. league aired the first justice league justice league unlimited came they were concurrent. <laughs> i didn't realize they were concurrent that's really that's really cool yeah and the zeta project was was the thing that brought me to comic-con for the first time and i had never heard of it before i didn't know what i was getting into and uh and that was you know hey we're gonna send you to 
San Diego and here's a shirt that's painted to look like your character, throw that on and walk out on this stage in front of thousands of people and debut a cartoon. I was like, all right, that sounds like fun. <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting into. And it was, uh, it was really, it was a blast. People seemed very excited about it. And it was, um, I don't know, kind of thrilling to be in that energy. You know, here, here we are, at, you know, I, I don't know what it's like where you are right now, but we're still in a, in a lockdown kind of situation due to, due to COVID. And um, the idea of being around crowds, it just feels like, you know, we're, we're talking about ancient history, you know, but I, I, I loved feeling the passion and excitement of all of the fans at Comic-Con, um, which is, you know, something I've, I've also enjoyed over the years since. I miss it. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I mentioned this many, many times and people are getting sick of it and <laughs> sick of it, but I, it's true. I, I miss cons. I miss that. I miss going to cons. I miss the convention circuit. I miss, you know, just hanging out with voice actors, talking about whatever, bringing up an obscure role that they have never thought about for years. And they're like, why'd you bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is that. That's kind of a cool thing too, because you know maybe there are, are roles and projects that we're asked about with with more frequency. But there's always someone out there who remembers something obscure that I don't remember doing, and I, I sort of tap into the memory, and it it's you know it's again that that ripple effect. You know, sometimes we forget that once we we jump into the water as a pebble, that that you know faraway shores will still feel the undulations. Oh yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a good way of putting it and I think um you know the thing about being a voiceover person is that you have tons and tons of credits and sometimes you forget about some of those projects but there's always going to be a person who's going to come up to you and say you were so and so in this thing and I'm like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's fun. It's all fun. I mean, it's all playtime, you know. It's it's there there's there's not a day when I don't, you know, al allow myself or intentionally lean into, you know, feeling so grateful and so aware of, of how lucky I am to be able to do this work. You know, it's it really does feel like playtime to me. And it, you know, forces me to use my imagination, which is a favorite tool, and, um, and play and connect and have fun and... Um, so, you know, I, I, I frequently say like, I can't believe they pay me for this. Are you sure you want to pay me today? They're like, yes. And, um, you know, it's, it's really an honor to get to play a lot of these roles that have impacted so many people. And it's an interesting, like, um, you know, dichotomy of, of the person and the characters they play. Cause you played some like really evil characters and it's kind of hilarious listening to you talk, <laughs> you know, listening to various interviews you've done. And going, wow, she's a real chipper person for playing like really bloodthirsty <laughs> characters. <laughs> That's true. As I as I giggle, um, yeah, I mean, as a as a the human civilian person um, with a name you think makes me sound like a detective, which I'm really going to run with after this. Um, I, I I definitely am known as being kind of sparkly, um, and uh, usually have some kind of glittery thing on me or with me or around me. Um, I do lean into messages of kindness and um, gratitude and, and 
And I also really enjoy being able to tap into the darker side because, you know, there's, there's no way that it's possible, certainly for me, I'll speak for myself, to, to come from a place of, as you're saying, being chipper, being grateful, being excited, being passionate without having seen the other side of it. And, you know, it's intentional. It's, it's, it's something that I, I choose to do each day is to, you know, recognize the shadows, be aware of them, you know, and, and look for the places of light, look for the places where, where I can find that um, positivity or, or something to open up space for possibility when things seem to be more hopeless. So, um, so I guess when I play really dark, evil, scary characters, I'm tapping into that, that place in me that I, I choose not to, um, to sort of ride with during my, my waking life, if that makes sense. Um, but it really is, it's, you know, the variety of characters I get to play is, is probably, it's usually my answer to the question, what's, what's your favorite role you've ever played? You know, for me, the, the reason I don't have an answer is that my favorite role is the quilt, the variety of roles I've gotten to play. That's the most fun for me. So it's the age-old one of which child is your favorite? They're all my favorites. <laughs> They're all my favorites. Well, but it's, yeah, I mean, it certainly is that, right? Which is, which, you know, I, I understand why that almost sounds like a cop-out, you know, like, ah, oh, you just, you don't want to admit it's Marvel or it's DC or it's this, you know, and it's, it's actually, I just said this recently on another um, interview. I, I, you know, as an on-camera actor, I was acutely aware of how limited my options were as a performer because I would be stereotyped for, you know, my appearance as, as people often are in on-camera work. Um, but I really knew that I wasn't I wasn't really getting to experience a breadth of characters and opportunities. I wasn't necessarily bothered by it, but once I started doing voiceover and was cast as, you know, giant ferocious creatures or tiny little babies or a boy or, you know, a, a, a spy or, you know, whatever villain you might be thinking of today, um, I, I realized that there had been an inhibited part of me, a, a more self-conscious um, part of me aware of how I might be seen. So I had kind of played into um, the stereotyping that was that was happening, you know, in casting, looking at me and saying, well, she's never going to be a big ferocious creature. But I also wasn't believing that I could be a big ferocious creature. So behind the microphone in my little, you know, my, my padded home studio where I spend most of my day every day, you know, there, I don't have to think about you know, how do I look or how will I be perceived visually? That's the collaboration with so many incredible artists and games and, and cartoons. Um, so that's, I think, why it's so meaningful to me that I don't really have a favorite character. I, I, I have a favorite experience, which is being able to play a variety of roles and not have to think about, you know, how, that, how I'm representing the role visually. It's a very long-winded answer to your question. I hope in addition to being chipper, you have been warned ahead of time that I am highly verbal. <laughs> no, I, I listen to I listen to interviews with you and I know that right. I I know what to expect. I know what to expect. <laughs> you knew what you were getting into and yet 
yet you wanted to talk to me anyway. No, because I mean, I listened to your interview with uh, Chris Edgerly, and you know, you you have done you know a lot of work in in um in a psychology, which I thought was really impressive. I'm like, wow, she's smart. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. That was a you know, psychology is also a passion of mine, and um you know I. My father was a psychiatrist for 50 years and a, and a theorist and an author. And my my mother is still a practicing psychologist. My aunt, um, also a psychotherapist. And uh, psychotherapy and psychology were, were very normal in my family. And being curious about human psychology and emotion and empathy have been, you know, as, as normal in my life as, you know, brushing my teeth and tying my shoes. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I did decide to get a master's in, in psychology in the middle of a, a wonderful um, career in entertainment. And uh, I, I knew at the time that would be a, a, a strange thing to do to some people, but ultimately it, it has really balanced me in so many ways. Um, I really was craving the information and, and, and craving that dive into uh, the world of psychology and it's only enriched the work that I get to do in entertainment. Does, 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 um, you know, when you, when you get an audition for, for a role, do you, do you psychoanalyze it or do you just, you know, (laughs) that's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, curiosity (laughs) about, well, but my curiosity about psychology, you know, predated, my schooling in psychology, which which stands to reason that looking at, at audition copy throughout my life, you know, there has been an element of searching to understand the character, empathizing, finding something in their history that makes sense to me so that I can round out the character. Um, but I, I will say that, that you know, since, <laughs> since, you know, going to graduate school and, and immersing myself in the world of psychology as well, um, I do think that that it has enabled me to go deeper with characters. And, um, you know, I always talk about Jess Black from Far Cry 5 was really the first time that I, I really noticed how much I was pulling from my understanding of um, trauma and PTSD to be able to, to work with her backstory and to work with the story that she was telling. Um, so I think, I think it has, uh, only enriched and enhanced the work that I do. And I, I would say that if I'm playing or if I'm auditioning for, you know, a total little goofball creature, I'm, you know, in a, in a comedic, you know, uh, Disney or Nickelodeon, um, show, I, I don't know that I, I really sit there and, and try to work with the deepest psychology for that character, but I I do always look to empathize with the character. You know, if if I can't find a place of empathy or connection or understanding, then anything I do with my voice won't land. The voice print is really the last thing I think about or worry about. It's connecting with the character and and for me finding the fun and and you know connecting with people is fun for me. So when I say finding the fun, it's finding that moment where like, I feel connected to the character, I understand the character, or, or even a joke that the character makes makes sense to me. And it feels funny to me because I found clarity in who that person is. And that's when I know I found the character. 
once I have that moment of joy, connection, fun, and then the rest of it flows. So, you know, I think, I think there is an element of, you know, looking to understand a character that, that actors are always doing. Um, so I don't know how totally different my process is from anyone else's. Um, but I, I do know that empathy is a big part of it for me. I think we I talked about this before, but I mean, if you're playing a completely evil character and you cannot empathize with them, then your performance isn't gonna isn't gonna be very good because you have failed to to really convince me that you you um you are that character because you cannot empathize with them because you're like oh well they're yeah. just they're just terrible I don't want to you know put any effort into into uh, playing this despicable character. Actually, I mean, that's that's so interesting that you say that because I I think sometimes we can we can get uncomfortable showing that color, showing that part of ourselves, and so it it can be yeah you haven't found the empathy. It can also be that you haven't found the empathy in yourself to be able to tap into a time that you were that angry or that you were feeling that disenfranchised, and it can be so uncomfortable that you know we can become guarded as if as if that character as if that villain that i'm supposed to play you know is someone i don't want to associate with because i don't want to see something in myself i do um i've been doing a little bit of um voiceover coaching lately um hadn't really been something i i had planned to do but um a couple of different uh people and places have reached out to me to ask if i would do some coaching um i don't really do didactic teaching like this is how you do voiceover um, but I, I like doing on the fly corrections and, and watching someone work through a piece of copy and trying to help them find that space where it rings true. And, um, and sometimes I'll, I'll, and I know this is part of the psychology background for me too, but I'll stop and I'll say, I, I don't know you, but you seem like, I have a feeling you're a really nice person and you really like that identity because you seem really uncomfortable here. How do you feel about playing a character who is that rageful? And the person might say, well, I feel, you know, I can't connect to it. I just feel like I have to, you know, act like an angry person. And so I'll stop. And it doesn't really have to do with the copy or the character. I want to work with that person around tapping into a space where they can actually connect with getting that angry or getting that upset or feeling that disenfranchised. And then go back to the character and then it sails I, mean, I always found it interesting like you know uh, an actor's mindset of when whenever they play like a really despicable character and show a side that they that they normally didn't show previously in, in other projects I always find mm-hmm. it fascinating like I don't know if that's <laughs> just me but you know no I mean honestly a, a, a compliment you know every once in a while someone will say I had no idea that was you and that that's always fun for me because it's not about disguising my voice necessarily. It's about maybe somebody not knowing that I and it doesn't have to be the, you know, the evil villain side. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really fun. I keep saying that, but it is. Well, I mean, it, and that's I think it's a good thing because you when you watch a lot of play a lot of video games and, and watch a lot of TV shows, you kind of start to know who's voicing who because you guys work on so many different projects and you just go, oh, that's so-and-so, oh, that's so-and-so, oh, that's so-and-so. 
but but I but I think I, but I think it's it's much more fun when you find out oh Julie Nathanson was Silver Banshee and I did not know that. <laughs> well, yeah, she's I mean my goodness she she's so far away from my my normal voice prints. Um, but I have to tell you, you know, sometimes we voice actors play the same game. And in my house, I have a I have a son. And um, and sometimes we'll watch Peabody and Sherman is a is a favorite in this house. Um, and <laughs> just first of all, my you know my my one of my closest friends is Kari Walgren, so of course my kid knows Kari too. And he has gotten to the point where he can pick her out in episodes and be like, "That's Kari, that one right there, that uh, the old lady, and this one over, uh huh, a Lovelace, also Kari." And so it becomes a game. And there was one night um, we were watching, and I was so dumped trying to figure out who was playing Edgar Allan Poe. I could not figure it out, and it was such a great portrayal. And I was like, I know, I've got to know who this is. It has to be someone I know. And I couldn't figure it out. I finally looked it up, and it was my dear friend Steve Bloom. And I was so surprised. It was just a different voice print for him. It was higher, and it was just a great portrayal and I texted him and I was like you're amazing you just did this great job and we didn't know it was you and that joy still happens when it's your job (laughs) you know I like I like to play the guessing game you know it's it's fun to figure out I think um my kid does that with with Courtney Taylor too she's another dear friend who'd be like I think that's Courtney and I'll be like all right let's look it up Let's see. No, I mean, because I, I had that experience as well. Like, I mean, uh, you know, when Owl House aired and, you know, Lilith came out and I had trouble putting, putting, putting to, to putting uh, two and two together. I'm like, holy, holy crap. That was Sissy. I know Sissy. She's amazing. <laughs> She's wonderful. She's another dear friend. You know, it, 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 it at some point, I'm sure it, it seems bizarre to, to watch you know, voice actors interact with each other on, on social media, but we, you know, so many of us really are dear friends and it, it is as close a community as it seems to be. And we really do lift each other up. Um, I was, you know, just talking to a friend about Sissy um, just the other day. She has a, a trailer for a new game that just came out. I wish I could think of the name of it. Um, I'll try to think of it, but her voice is all over this this cinematic trailer and it's so rich and so sophisticated and so beautiful and she's also just a really wonderful person you know I think you know I, I know there there certainly can be um exceptions to every rule but but I do wonder if there's something about the voiceover world that attracts people whose egos are a little bit less attached to what they're doing you know but it's a lot of really good people, and I feel incredibly lucky to know them and to work with them. Do you miss the group records in in, uh, in studios in the before so times? So much. I really, really, really do. And and I'm a I'm a pretty social creature. I'm you know I'm I I'm an only child. I I certainly um, know how to spend time by myself. I enjoy traveling by myself. I enjoy doing things and resetting um, in an alone space. But I really do love interacting with other people and especially in those group records. It's, I mean, Avengers was always such a fun 
recording session and and so many wonderful characters and by characters I mean my friends coming in <laughs> with their personalities um you know Roger Craig Smith making jokes in the corner and and you know being such a, a funny and wonderful human and um getting to you know play with um Laura Bailey and um you know it, it and it, it's really a very special experience to be able to do that and and now working from home it's so unusual to to have other actors on the line i do so much of my work just alone over these past you know eight or nine months um i've been working on um, a podcast series called rideshare the series um, it's a um a, a show being produced by digital sky and it's a it's actually a hybrid it's um, audio podcast, but they also do um, uh, something on YouTube that has a little bit of a visual, almost like a comic book um, look to it, um, just with almost like animatic drawings. And um, that has been so much fun because, you know, I get to hear the other actors and we're really playing off of each other. And Eric Martzoff, who plays the lead, Keith, is wonderful. And we've got a great rapport. We've never met in person. Um, so those are like, I get so excited if I hear another actor on the line, or even at this point, if somebody plays me another actor's lines to lead me in from my own solo stuff, I get so excited <laughs> to hear another performer. So yeah, but I've done a lot of I've done a lot of really cool projects during this time of of COVID, and you know, I I I keep thinking about how how much I crave being able to see people and hug them and shake hands and um and yet I'm still steeped in gratitude that we get to do this work it's been a herculean effort on the part of so many people in in the audio community and you know game development um you know animation to be able to to make our home studios work so you know insofar as we're able to do these recordings solo or not you know it's been a collaborative process but I do miss seeing all the faces I do miss you know going into the booth and I still have I should tell him this I still have a drawing where is it right here on my desk not that you can see it but I'm gonna find it anyway I keep this drawing there it is Scott Menville left me in the booth one day. Um, I think we were working on my Sims up in San Francisco. And I went into my session and there was this drawing of Scott Menville that he, he made a drawing of himself with a little bubble that says, Julie Nathanson is a Simlish goddess. And even just knowing that there was someone who was just in the booth who was a friend of mine who left me a note, I miss that too. I have it right there on my desk. Not that you can see it. That, that's pretty sweet. I, I won't lie. <laughs> I mean, I'm usually I'm usually like a cynic when it comes to when it comes to that sort of stuff. But I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty heartwarming. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, like I said, it's a really good group of really good group of people. Nolan North and I used to leave each other notes. We were doing an early game that I did was Ape Escape Three, and uh, and we would you know trade in and out of the booth. Leave each other funny little notes. God, that's going way back. That's like what, 1990, 1999 or so? I don't know. I, could it be? I guess it could be. 
probably be odd just because it was... Because I think that was like one of his first voiceover video game roles, if I if I remember now correctly. I'm gonna, so, yeah. Now I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Hold on. Now I really want to look it up. Because he was, because I, I remember he talked about, you know, I'm listening to him talk about his early work, and I think he mentioned, like, Ape Escape being one of his first works, so there you go. Well, it says here, it says here, looking it up on the Googles, it says, nope, it says um, 2005. It says 2005. Um, I think that's right. Let's see. Yep, 2005. Oh, okay. I'm way off. <laughs> I'm terrible. That's okay. No, no, no. It's okay, but it, I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't um, speaking. But yeah, that was an early, you know, certainly one of the earlier games that I did. <laughs> no, I mean, because you kind of you kind of forget like most of these people were around during the two thousands, and I kind of, <laughs> you know, that that period of gaming just kind of is not like I'm not, you know, I don't remember that much of it because that was the period of time that I kind of. I went to that period where I stopped playing video games, so I missed out on a lot of stuff, and I had no idea. And I, yes, I am aware that uh, Courtney Taylor made her debut, made her video game debut in uh, Destroy All Humans. I am aware of that. <laughs> so you are aware of that. So now, is that a game? Is that because that's a game you played? No, because she mentioned it, and I and I and it was a game that I vaguely remember. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that oh? Okay, because <laughs> I, I did not know Courtney's work. I was not familiar with Courtney's work until like 2010 with Mass Effect 2. So there you go. I'm terrible. Yeah, I really oh, God. And she's her, her portrayal of Jack. Just, oh, my God. It's so good. She's she's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. And do you play a lot of games now? Oh, well, of course. I, I play a lot of <laughs> video games, and I know a lot of people, and... I'm that I'm that nerd who whenever I hear someone do do a really good performance I'm like who is that I got to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate it. <laughs> no, but um you know I play a lot of video games. I mean, I did uh god if we if we had done this podcast back in 2018 when I was still playing Call of Duty Black Ops, we, I would have been much more excited about that franchise than I am now. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to say Cold War, um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm admittedly biased, but um, Black Ops Cold War, you know, has been pretty incredible to work on. And the fact that, you know, they've entrusted me to play Samantha Maxis as an adult has been, a, you know, a wild journey and, and really, really wonderful. Um, and I'm I'm really proud of that game. Um, I think people are enjoying it, and um, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to drag you back into that world because I'm I'm very excited about it. <laughs> no, I'm, and I, and I kind of think it's great that you that you that they that they cast you as Samantha in her you know as a kid and as an adult because it's very rare to have an actor play the same character in video games throughout an entire period of, of their life. The only exception being Roger Craig Smith and and as Ezio in in um, in Assassin's Creed. That is the only exception up until now. And why? <laughs> and why? Oh, that I see. So he so he did get to do that, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The only that's okay. he was the he was the only exception until now, apparently, because you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Two peas in a pod. There you go. He's he's such a great human. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> Isn't he just the best? Really, really. He's really wonderful. He's he's really one of the things I love about Roger Craig Smith is that he he's such an incredible performer. He's funny and he's so quick. Um, you know, I've certainly seen him do dramatic stuff that's wonderful, and yet as a as just himself, he is so authentic. He is just him. And I really love that about him. I really love that he can, you know, turn it on to be funny or interesting or, you know, whatever it is that character is being that day or or goof off in a session. Um, and then just, you know, he and I have had dinner together and just he's just a really he's a really good guy. He's also a good poker player. But I got to tell you, like we've had we've had some very funny evenings playing poker. Um, one of the uh, um Anyway, we've played poker together. He's hilarious. That is no, awesome. no, I mean, because I mean, I had him on, and, and and I mean, I had him on, and and I remember, like he said, like you know, when he was done, he had to go to a, do a poker session on via Zoom, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's kind of yes. cheating, isn't it? Like that's kind of cheating because you can't you can't see the other players' cards, and you can just basically lie and say you have a good hand when you really don't. <laughs> well, it's actually no. There's a um there there's an app on the um we do it on the ipad i think i've only played twice and since we've not been able to be in person but um i want to say it's poker too with with several r's at the end of poker um but you can it's it's a it's a whole it's a whole thing you can actually see each other's cards so you're playing i think it works that we play on the ipad and then the Zoom, we're all able to see each other. So two different devices. Oh. Not as not as cheating as you think. <laughs> is all I'm saying. No, I mean because I'm just I'm just curious now because I'm I'm a curious you know well I'm a curious person, <laughs> but um, you know who Great, who, who, who my favorites. No, who who else is in is in the poker group? Because mm. it rotates. Um, it rotates. Um, Harrison Wilcox, who who was our um. Uh, fearless leader at uh, Avengers. Um, he he would have a bunch of us over in his uh, garage and and play. And he sort of has a rotating roster. Um, but but I I do know that he often would intentionally put me in on nights that Vanessa Marshall was going to be there because she and I are um, now we are two peas in the pod, especially because early in the experience of playing in this little poker group um we would both be like i just i think i just want to lose and and i'm done so i'm just going to start losing and then every time i tried to lose i started winning <laughs> so um anyway but she she and i have a lot of fun together so she and i played together um like i said roger um what other performers that you would know um i'll, I'll try to think of who else has been in that that world um I'm blanking right now. It's been too long since we've all seen each other. <laughs> no, because I'm just I'm just wondering, like when when you say poker, I'm like, oh, you know, there's a you know voice actress who was known for playing poker, and that's Nika Futterman. And I'm kind of oh, like, did you? Oh, did I mean, you... <laughs> nobody here is on Nika's level. No, you know who else? Um, uh, James Mathis the third. Um, who's our teacher? Oh, Black um, Panther. I love him. Yeah. I love him as Black yeah. Panther. He's amazing. He's wonderful. Yeah, he's he's really um he's another beautiful human being um and and how could i forget scott porter who um i've played poker with many times on in that little group um but uh where were we 
<laughs> no, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, because because look, we can talk voiceover all I want, all we want, but you know, I'm kind of interested to see what people are doing, you know, in quarantine to keep themselves sane. <laughs> yeah, there've just been a, just been a couple of a uh, couple poker games I've had early in quarantine when friends wanted to have you know, like a little Zoom meetup or something, I like to say, okay, well, what's going to be theme night? So I would ask people to dress up because I felt like, you know, it's more fun, put on a costume, do something silly. Um, I've kind of waned in my uh, requests for, for costuming and theme nights at this point, but I should probably start that up again. Um, but since I got a dog during quarantine, um, now, now I look for doggy play dates, um, which can be very socially distanced. So, you know, meet up someplace outside and let the doggies play and everybody wears masks and we shout to each other across whatever the, the yard may be. Um, that's a nice thing to pass the time, but <laughs> certainly is uh, it's challenging too, trying to figure out things that will amuse my child that that is not available on an ipad <laughs> it's very tough <laughs> oh yeah because i what are you doing to yourself during this uh, time? well i mean podcasting that's one <laughs> podcasting going to therapy um playing video games <laughs> going back to oh man you ever look at at your status in, in a video game and realize you wasted way too much time? You you <laughs> more than you expected to 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 play. Like the total play time is just insane, and you're like, "How did I yeah. get here?" I know that that is a common experience with games, and I'm not gonna. I don't. I I don't want to do the nod and smile thing of like, "Yes, totally." I don't. I I I have tinkered in a few games just to experience them, but I am not actually a gamer. I am as aware as I can be of, of, you know, what happens in certain games that I'm in. I try to keep up with um, the industry. I watch as many cutscenes and as much gameplay as I can to, to feel like I understand them. Um, but in terms of being an avid player, um, I, in all honesty, don't have time to be able to dive into games knowing how I'm wired. I know that if I started playing a game, it would really consume me in the same way that you're sort of, you know, posing the question, right? Have I had the experience of, of losing nine hours of my life to a game? And I think if I, if I really got into it, I think that's what would happen. I don't actually have the time to do it. So I have stopped myself from doing it. I mean, I just I just mention it because I look at my status on on, on some of these games and I'm like, ooh, two hundred plus hours total. <laughs> Holy crap! Now, what games? Tell me, I'm really curious, Abdullah. What what games can can get you to that like two hundred mark? Uh, only two. Oh, it was Overwatch and Mortal Kombat 11. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Very good. More, Very good. Mortal, Mortal, Com Mortal Kombat 11 because they introduced this new system of unlockables and unlocking things, and you can see where this is going <laughs> by me yes, mentioning everything that. everything must be unlocked. <laughs> everything has to be unlocked all the time. There will be no stopping. There will only be unlocking. Yeah, I mean, no, you unlock, like, various cosmetic items, and, and at first mm -hmm. you're like, ah, cosmetic items, who needs them? But, you know, 
you play it and you just like I want I want this thing I want this thing I want that thing. I think I think um you know Melo Lee put it best when she said, "Aren't we just like all children? Like aren't we all just like children at the end of the day where we where we say to ourselves we don't care about this thing but we spent hours trying to get said thing." <laughs> yep, that's right. I mean, we all you know not to get too uh, too spiritual on you, but you know we're all the same kid we used to be. We're just, you know, evolved from there. So that's why playtime as a voice actor is so fun for me and, and also something that I think is beautiful about games. You know, we get to just sort of return to that that space of, um, you know, playing pretend. And all the stuff that we get to do as voice actors, I think gamers get to do playing games, you know, um, pretending that you are someone else, diving into that experience and adventuring forward. That's what we do when we have a script in front of us, and that's what gamers get to do when they are um, experiencing the game. I mean, and and I'm not saying this like as as it's a you know a derogatory thing. I'm not saying it as a negative, but I mean, you know, I enjoy playing these games for hours on end because honestly, this year has been just a complete nightmare for me and and any form of escapism is kind of good for me right now because you know <laughs> i'm really sorry it's so tough i know it's been it's been hard for so many people in so many ways and you know in addition to you know the the, the, the greater arc of things that have been tough you know quarantine lockdown being a major one you know there's also been the context of our own lives. So I'm I'm sorry that this has been such a tough year for you. I hope it gets better. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of wish, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, you live in, you know, this this whole thing has just affected us and affected me in a very negative way. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm used to, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I've always been used to being, you know, a very socially distant person. I'm, I'm used to being like an introvert, but even at some point you, you know, being stuck at home for, for like a month under like total lockdown, just kind of, it, it breaks you. It really does. And, and it, and it sucks because, you know, you're, when you're a type of person who doesn't really have that many friends and, and not a lot of people to talk to on a regular basis, it, it really breaks you. It like really breaks you. Really, really. I'm really sorry, <laughs> and I would imagine that that being able to connect with people on the podcast is like a way of reaching out and and sort of bringing community to you. And and you know that is I think one of the things that I guess technology has allowed us to um, maintain during this time is some semblance of connectedness. But it's, you know I'm sorry that you're. Um, your world doesn't feel as social as you'd like, and I I hope that changes too. Yeah, I mean it. It's just um, it's been real rough, and you know, especially you know, you know, the depression and anxiety builds up, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's um, you know, I mean, I I had like a really like a, a really um, you know, that's what therapy's for. I, I'm very grateful for my therapist and you know the fact that that you know she's able to see me under under these circumstances in person. You know, it really helps. It really helps because uh, you know I kind of need to go someplace to just to uh, just to vent out my frustrations <laughs> and everything. I'm really glad that you have someone that you can trust and and you know open up to and process stuff with and look for solutions or or even you know hope where it's possible you know this 
this really has been a singularly difficult, painful time. And, you know, finding those ways to hold on to your resilience, you know, that's the name of the game right now. You know, that's its own game, right? <laughs> it's finding those, those uh, times to be able to what, increase your health and, you know, be able to last a little bit longer through a difficult challenge um, so that you can get to the next level, right? How did I do? <laughs> how did I do? I do okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's all any of us can do right now is just like pull through, hope to help to move forward, even if it's hard, even if it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, if you are a person who plays games and, and, and it sounds like you are, um, I really do. I think the gamification of feeling better can be really useful. Um, I don't know if you know Jane McGonigal's work. Um, but Jane, Jane had been uh, in game development uh, long ago. I believe she started in the Halo world. And uh, she, she's got a phenomenal couple of TED Talks talking about a traumatic um, brain injury she had uh, that, that created some really difficult mood changes in her. And from there, she started to gamify her own well-being, um, you know, giving herself extra points for taking a walk around the block or connecting with a friend or making sure that she's, you know, doing something that would that would potentially improve her mood and move her out of what um, sounds like, you know, was a, a depressing time for her. And she created Super Better from this, which is an app um, that has you sort of set your own goals um, and, uh, and really gamify feeling better. So if you don't know it, it's, it's really, it's, it's a really cool app. And there's a, a book I have that is the super better book. Um, she, she took, I think it was about 400,000, uh, players of super better and kind of culled through the experiences and, and created a book. Um, so there's, you know, there, there are some really creative ways of, of approaching getting through this time that I, I think can be really quite beautiful and useful. Yeah, hell. <laughs> check it out if you're interested. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll probably check it out if I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, how, how are you holding up? You know, I feel, um, like I said, I'm, I'm in a grateful place. I'm absolutely missing connecting with humans, and I, I miss my family far away very much. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm really aware of how lucky I am to be able to continue recording exciting projects and, um, and, and lean into creativity and imagination at a time when our reality has been so fraught. Um, so I think I'm under the circumstances, I think I'm holding up pretty well. And, you know, when I feel a mood shift or I feel I can, you know, I, worked with anxiety throughout my life and um you know when I feel that coming on I try to pay attention to it and um you know use the skills that I've you know gained over the years and you know take a break when I need to um get into some audiobooks which can be very helpful for me um got back into exercising I had waned after a while and that's been really useful play with the dog he's a little fluff nugget and I love him so, you know, again, I think under the circumstances, I feel, I feel really um, lucky. Uh, and, you know, we're still in it. You know, I have a preponderance of masks. 
and I um, definitely move through my world very carefully at this point, but trying to um, make the most of whatever um, good fortune I know that I have. I mean, that's all you can do, really. <laughs> that's all any of us can yeah. do. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, I mean, isn't, isn't it a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time to be alive? <laughs> Well, we find the things that, that make us want to keep, you know, finding, I don't know, I guess, I guess to me, you know, early, early in quarantine, a lot of people were, were talking about feeling like it wasn't okay to, to have anything make you happy because there's so much suffering. And, um, my response to that has been, you know, we do still need to tap into joy. We do still need to allow ourselves um, the things that could make us inspired or, or, or make us feel happy because those are the things that galvanize us and, and remind us why we want to thrive. So while we can have empathy for those who are suffering and we can help however we are wired or able to do so, um, connect however we can, you know, I also think it's okay to find moments to be able to laugh find things that you, you know, stories that you want to connect with people that you want to reach out to is one thing, but also, you know, listening to music that puts a smile on your face. So, you know, I, I, I try to keep track of those things for myself and, and tap into them when I need to. I mean, I do that as well. Like I usually just like find any, okay. I mean, find any songs that I really like and listen to them again that I know that are, you know, uplifting, you know, in That's a way. Great. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it, it, it really is, you know, being able to, to, um, it's like to research your own self enough, right? Here's the detective you were looking for, right? <laughs> like, and, you know, excavate and uncover the things about yourself that have in the past made you feel good and then kind of intentionally moving toward those. So if you know there's a song that uplifts, uplifts you, I do speak for a living, um, you know, making sure that you have access to that. You know, there I've watched the same sitcoms over and over and over again because it's an old familiar friend and I know where I'm going to laugh. And at a time when uncertainty abounds, being able to to know, well, this joke is going to land and the audience is going to laugh there because it's the studio audience and it's probably canned laughter anyway. Those are things that, that can put us on solid ground. So, you know... If you do know the songs that make you happy, what songs make you happy? What songs should I be listening to? Oh God, I have weird music tastes. So I don't know. Give me one. Can you? Do, are you comfortable telling me one? Oh, I don't want to put you on the spot too much. I mean, ha define happy though. Like, define. Look, you're talking to a person who. <laughs> let, 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 let's break it down here. You are talking to a person who, when I was in undergraduate school, and I. Had to, I wanted to, you know, work out on whatever it was at the time, a Stairmaster or something. I would put on my Sesame Street album and I would work out to like Rubber Ducky just because I thought it was funny and quirky and silly and that put a smile on my face. The alphabet song, Abkadefki Tickle the Nakwasu with things. I would do that on the Stairmaster. So it can't, it can't be any, any more ridiculous than me working out to Big Bird, can it? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I like off the top of my head, like I think one of my my favorite one of my songs that I think really cheers me up because of how absurd it is is, is Lemon Jelly's "Nice Weather for Ducks." I, I really like that song. I know that song. All the ducks are swimming in the water. Yes. <laughs> my love. 
why do I know that song? Do I know that song? And that's I'm gonna yeah. look it up so that after this I can. Uh, you to you it. you must have heard it. It's 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 played in in commercials. It's it's you yeah. know, <laughs> but yeah, there it is. Okay, now I'm playing it. <laughs> Okay, got it. Yep. Okay, good. I'm gonna listen to that. That'll that'll be the thing that makes me smile later. Okay, thank you. See, see how we share share the joy. No, I mean that's that's well. I mean that's well. I guess we're friends now because I mean whenever someone asks me to to send them stuff that that they that they usually don't want don't don't want to be sent or are unfamiliar with, they're like, ah, oh, you know. Well, I guess we're friends now. Too bad. Okay, we're friends now. There you go. <laughs> No, but I think that's kind of weird. Like working out to Big Bird. That's a that's an image I I never thought I would I would have to envision someone doing. Well, I have never claimed to be a normal person, never once. <laughs> I mean, and I and I also listen to to a lot of like, God, it's this is weird. This is this is this is so weird, but. You ever listen to something to to pump you up, to get you really excited, to get you real hyped up? I'm just wondering. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, so there's this project called, there's this like a death metal, pro, not death metal project, a, tra, a thrash metal, speed metal project called, uh, pretty sure you've heard of it, but uh, Austrian Death Machine, which is a parody of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I have not heard of this. It's basically like... Imagine every Arnold Schwarzenegger quote being turned into a speed metal, thrash metal song. And that's Austrian Death Machine. And it's amazing. That, that, that will be the second thing I listen to later this evening when we are finished talking. I have written it down. I am excessively excited about this. And if you want real heavy stuff, that's really it. Just <laughs> And if you just want something weird to listen to, listen to Death Grips, because Death Grips is awesome, and they're amazing. And, and just... Death Grips. All right, got it. So from Sesame Street to Death Grips. Welcome to the podcast, From Sesame Street to Death Grips. <laughs> A lot of people are going to laugh at that. That's the quote of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep it real here. No. Uh, <laughs> but, but that's interesting. Like, you know, because, I mean, you listen to a lot of, I mean, because there's no one answer to that. There it depends on the mood. It depends on what what I feel like listening to today. Like, honestly, like, honestly, here's the weirdest thing. Like, whenever I need, like, cheering up, like, talking about watching television shows, I go to YouTube and look up Eric Andre show clips, and those always cheer me up. Like, they always cheer me up. (laughs) Everybody has a thing. Everybody has a thing. Right? I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you mine. My thing to look up when I need to be cheered up, or for me... It doesn't have to be about laughing. It can be, again, reminders of hope and possibility, okay? We've been talking for a little while. Now you figure that makes sense. Yeah, I know. So (laughs) for me, the thing that that I need, you know, a reminder of light, I I love to look up on YouTube the, I could start crying talking about it, (laughs) footage of people who are colorblind who have been offered the Enchroma glasses um, and they see color for the first time. And those videos make me cry with joy. 
I love watching people see color for the first time in their lives. And uh, I just, I mean, I've watched so many of those videos and they're just extraordinary to me. Yeah, that's that's the wonder of beauty and te- of technology. It can, you know, help the help the people who help help someone who has never seen color before in their lives see color. That yeah. is, yeah, that is just something I think we take for granted, to be quite honest. Yeah, and I wouldn't, you know, certainly, I, I would never say that you know any person who can't see color has to or should anything like that at all. It would be, you know, if someone has wanted to, right. And, and here's an opportunity. Seeing this person experience it for the first time is just, you know, there's a, a, a flood of joy. And then I end up, you know, really the colors around me look different after that, right? They look brighter. They're sort of standing out more. Um, and then that is a very hopeful experience for me. So there, you have shared, you've shared Austrian death machine, and I have shared the glory seeing colors perfect (laughs) yeah (laughs) sharing is caring after all (laughs) caring is caring (laughs) so so what do you what do you do in your downtime when you're not (laughs) in a session or playing with your dog or whatever like what do you do for me time as it as it is as is what they call it i guess (laughs) well you know i've been i I tend to turn playtime into productivity. Um, and that's, I think, part and parcel to how I'm wired and being a particularly driven person. So whereas writing could be a pastime, I've also you know, worked as a writer. So if I have free time, um, I'm either you know, reading um, or listening to uh, a book. Um, it could be something about psychology that would interest me or... Um, you know, a, a fiction work that might be in the same genre as something that I'm working on writing at the time. Um, and that tends to be something that, that you know, again, I, I wouldn't call it a hobby. It's also something that has been part of my professional life. Um, but that is definitely something that I do when I have space and room for it. Um, I do a lot of, a lot of reading. Um, and I guess um, I... When I can, I, I there's a, a couple of beautiful places I like to walk in Los Angeles. I like to be, um, I like to find places that seem like, oh, I sound just like, just as chipper as you're thinking. But I like to find places to walk around that feel like like a fairy glen, like an enchanted forest. So there are a couple of places I like to visit, um, just sort of walk around and try to connect to that space. Um, and I guess, you know, that, that question of like, what do you do for fun? I, I do like to be social. I like to, to spend some time with my friends. Um, I like to travel when that's possible in the world. Um, my family lives uh, still on the East coast, um, so far away. Uh, so when I have time, I like to visit them or if they're here visiting me, I like to, to really try to um, connect as much as possible with them. Um, but a lot of my, a lot of the things that I enjoy doing, I've, I've leaned into as a career. So, you know, I happen to really love doing voiceover. So I might find myself watching something or enjoying something that would be connected to animation or games. Um, there's a, a really wonderful book that I recently read 
that blends a lot of uh, creativity and psychology called Wired to Create. And I really ate that book. It was just a fantastic book. Um, I don't know that I have any other answers. <laughs> I mean, you, you've, you've, uh, you know, I, I think that's a good answer. You know, as okay, long good. as, Phew. Uh, Phew. as long-winded as it is, it's a good answer. <laughs> hey, you knew what you were getting into. You, <laughs> you didn't just look at my IMDb page, my friend. You listened or or watched listen to or watch some kind of interview so you knew oh boy she talks no because i I mean here's the thing with me like i think to me the best episodes is like the ones where i'm not really talking that much because every time i listen to myself and i talk too much i'm like yeah this is a bad episode i shouldn't be talking too much (laughs) no no it's i mean you know interviews are are i think they sh- I hope they should be more about the dialogue, right? It's, you know, I, I can just sort of ramble if you say, you know, tell me how you got started and tell me about your project. Yeah, but that's just, just like, uh, you know? yeah, I mean, that's just like, yeah, that's just like generic questions. Like, how did you get started? What is your favorite role? <laughs> <laughs> I want I want to have a conversation with people because I, I don't I feel like we as human beings don't have any meaningful conversations anymore and we take conversations for granted and mm. I just you know let's have conversations uh, let's let's create let's you know talk about stupid stuff for an hour or so like just let's just have fun you know yes please <laughs> and that's look you you already said you're a curious person and <laughs> you know I curiosity is a superpower right and and the more curious we are I tell my kid you know the it's never about what you know the, pe- the people who who say like I know I know I know anybody who's like I got it I got it I got it I know I have the answer you know they're generally end up knowing less right than those who are willing to be curious you know i i would venture to say that someone who's willing to say i don't know and and then will dive into learning and exploring something that they they weren't aware of previously that that person will end up having more knowledge um than than someone who who says no no, 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 i i know I, i already know that i don't have to look it up i got it right the more curious we are the more we have to play with so you know so so goes the interview process right so goes our dialogue yeah and 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 i and i re-listened to older interviews and i'm like and and look i i you know self-deprecating self-deprecating humor aside i'm a lot better now than i was like say 2012 where i did not know when to call an interview and it went on for way too long it was almost three hours long and i'm like Oh, it does not need to be three hours long. <laughs> it really doesn't. Well, and then, you know, here's my sunny side up here that, that that's, that's growth, right? So all that means is that you've been improving. Yeah. And right. plus, you know, you know you, you're you more into, because I, look, I'm, I'm a very socially awkward person. I'm, you know, very, I think I talked about this before, where every time I talk to someone for the first time, I like automatically those thoughts of, oh, I hope I don't screw up. I hope I don't screw up. Oh, crap. Why did I say that? Uh, you know, just go through, go through my head. And, and if, if I, if I, you know, listen back to an interview and say, okay, I did a great job on that. I'm happy with that. Then uh, I'm, you know, that's, that's all that matters. But if it, but if I re-listen to something and I'm like, oh, this is awkward. I don't want to listen to this anymore. But, you know, but, but we I mean. We are our own worst critics. <laughs> 
But I mean, that's 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 what we, that's uh, that's life. Because I've had people come up to me and say, "I loved an episode that you didn't really like doing," and I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs> you know, I, good. It's good that you found joy in something that um, that I personally didn't find <laughs> that that I personally thought sucked. <laughs> so right, and that's you know, you might be critical of of how you you know performed that interview, but you were able to to give someone else joy. So that, again, that's connected. It may not be social in terms of, you know, going to a party, but you're contributing to a conversation, right? You're contributing to someone else's experience listening to you talking to someone they wanted to learn more about, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's social at a distance. How about that? It's a different kind of social distancing, right? Oh yeah, and 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 as with everything, you get better the more you do it. Like you don't get, you know, I I did not start out getting all these people on day one. I had to work my way up to it and become get it get at a level get 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 to a point in my life where I felt comfortable enough to reach out to big name people and say, hey, you know, uh, yeah, I I do this podcast, blah 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 blah. Cause it's hard. It really is hard. Cause you're like you're just a speck of 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 many other nameless people on on the internet, and and you're like you know you don't know if they're gonna say yes or no. And for everyone, I don't think you're a speck. <laughs> you're not a speck. You're a whole human person with a lot of curiosity and creativity, and you are not a speck. Nobody's a speck. You know we can we can lose perspective sometimes and. I'm sure we can all think that we're you know, the center of our own universe and we can also make the mistake of, of thinking that we don't matter, but everybody actually does, you know, and you're not a speck. <laughs> well, yeah. What was that Bill, Bill Nye, uh, Bill, Bill Nye bit where he's like, Every, what's the matter, Bill? Everything is matter. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> God, I love that bit. I don't know why. don't know why that makes me laugh, but it always does. <laughs> See, that can go on your laughter list. That can go on your list along with death grips. <laughs> right? Death grips. Did I say it right? I yeah. can't read my handwriting. Yeah. It's plural, right? Not just death grips. Death grips. Death I grips. Sure I can read the S. <laughs> Great. I want to make sure I can I can read the S at the end of it. So it goes so that goes on there. So the Bill Nye matter thing makes you laugh and makes you smile, as does death grips. <laughs> Oh boy, I'm just, I'm just like, look, I don't know if you, I mean, I know you're on Twitter, but <laughs> I just want to see like what your reaction to it, to Death Grips is like when you listen to it for the first time, because it's, because it's, um, it, they're not, a, they're not an easy band to get into, let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> like okay. you're... Is there a specific song by the Death Grips that you'd like me to listen to? Well, <laughs> which one sounds the more normal one? That's the question. <laughs> you should make me listen to the one that's not normal. I mean, if you, we have got the opportunity, um, God, in the direction of something ridiculous. God, there, there are a lot. Like, just, just Google Death Grips, and you'll find like a lot of because ones because some songs are intense, some songs are weird, some songs are. Just really out there. Really out there. I will randomly choose (laughs) one song after I listen to Song About the Ducks, which I've listened to before but can't remember, and Austrian Death Machine. 
Death Grips. I've got, I mean, listen, my playlist, my playlist is getting very exciting. No, I mean, I also like, um, whenever I need to, to, to filter out all the noise, I usually just like, uh, put on my headphones and sleep to, to jazz. I, that's, I don't know if you do that. <laughs> I don't know if you do that, but I, but I find that it's very relaxing when I'm like really stressed out and really ang- and you know, when the anxiety is like, you know, yeah. taking over, I just like put on my headphones and um, just listen to, I love that. Just listen to, Thel- <laughs> to Thelonious Monk or whoever. <laughs> I love that. You know that. Yeah. I am. Um, I, cer- I certainly do have music that I've, that I return to when I need to kind of, ground myself um you know and 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 uh and decrease anxiety um i find that it's stuff that i listened to long ago it's um it's interesting but uh my my mother is um in addition to being a psychologist she's a blues harmonica player so um if (laughs) there are times that if i hear a harmonica in a song it can be very comforting for me um because it sounds like sounds like my mom's voice or something um so less jazz for me and more blues for me okay i mean that that makes sense i mean it's it's (laughs) it's not for everyone but that's 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 what i do you know Jews. I think so. No, I mean, that's, I was just thinking that, that, you know, there's there's always a connection between jazz and blues, although don't tell my mom. She always errs on the side of blues. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, I think I think that's that's uh, that's kind of lovely. Again, that, you know, you know what might lift your mood or at least actually soothe you and lull you into sleep. <laughs> but but to be fair, though, I think jazz is more it sounds a lot better played live than it is pre-recorded. But that's just me. That's my hot take. So <laughs> that's your, that's the hot take. Yeah. That's it. You're, okay, got it. Because <laughs> I mean, because listen to you know listening to a band play live is a much more different experience than listening to them you know pre-recorded because it's more right. raw, more raw. I think. Well, then, <laughs> then I then I will um, I will let's see is it her? Hold on. There was somebody. Was it Cassandra Wilson? I think I, I think I was listening to Cassandra Wilson and fell asleep once because it was just so soothing because Cassandra Wilson. Anyway, 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 Sesame Street, Death Grips. Where should we go next, Abdullah? I mean, do you, do you have to call it or, you know, do you got... <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few more minutes. I've got a few uh, more minutes. Well, I mean, yeah. well, we'll eventually just... Um... Yeah. Talk about any upcoming projects you might have coming up the pipeline, and where can people find you on social media? <laughs> oh, your your least favorite. You don't you don't even want to say those words. Uh, <laughs> you oh, you no. non non voiceover questions because I'll I'll do that at the end if you want. But do, do you uh, not non voiceover questions. Um, or, okay. Or voiceover questions that are that are less. Um, I know you 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 don't like the one. Oh that's oh oh so oh you, I, yeah. I wanted to ask, I want I want to ask this. Um, do you do you do you get weirded out watching yourself in 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 stuff? Because I know no. some people don't like that. Because I, I do know... not get weirded out at all. I don't get if it's uh, if it's voiceover. I do not at all get weirded out. Um, I uh, I I don't. <laughs> um, I find it fun. I get excited to see things. I will um, look up if if I. 
I might write down and say, oh, this episode of something looked really, it was fun to record. I'm, I'm curious. And I might even seek it out to, to see how it turned out. Some of that is that I'm always wanting to learn and improve. So uh, I, I don't shy away from looking to see if I screwed up because I want to be able to improve upon it. But I also find it really fun to see how everything came together. Again, I lean toward um, collaboration. So what I do is, you know, only one tiny part of creating a show or a story or a game. You know, if I, you know, I, so speaking of, of, of projects, right? So um, World of Warcraft uh, Shadowlands just launched today. And I, you know, finally got to share that I play um, Clea. And she's a, a really wonderful character. And um, it's been a, a phenomenal experience um, working with the Blizzard team and, 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 um, and playing Clea. And, you know, somebody somebody said on Twitter, like, oh, you know, you made this character or something. I'm like, no, 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 no. Thank you. But this is like the, the writers created this character. And, and I, I would have gone on and on, you know, you have so many artists and designers, um, producers, uh, creators, writers who, who come together to, to make this. And then I sort of pepper in my voice and, and, and certainly, yes, you know, perform the character and perform um, the scenes and the experience. But that is all collaboration. So one of the reasons I, I do like to watch things that I've been in and, and will actually seek them out to to watch and listen is that I'm I'm really struck by and moved by the collaboration, right? Um, especially if it's something that I got to voice in the early stages, right? So, you know, I laid down the original tracks for something and, and you know, then, then my voice is shipped off somewhere else for the animators to work through and try to create something and you know, then I come in for an ADR session and loop in my voice so the efforts make sense. And I get to watch what the animators felt the affect on my character's face would be because of how I performed that line. And that's a collaboration too. So, um, man, I am long-winded. Uh, I do not get weirded out watching myself there. I should just answer really simply. That'll be it. From now on, I'll just do yes or no answers. <laughs> All right. Lighten it. Uh, lightning round yeah lightning round um favorite star wars character go well okay so here's the thing i'm sitting underneath a painting of ray so it would be hard for me not to immediately go for ray um i i will i will always love leia um and and i you know will never let go of my love for leia and and i also uh, fell in love with ray so i have a painting of her and her speeder um and her saber right behind me as I'm talking to you. So that's my lightning round. That's terrible. I answered with a thousand words. <laughs> Losing lightning round. Uh, okay, try it again. Try it again. Try it again. Try it again. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Um, favorite type of drink? I mean, are we talking like... See? I can't do lightning round. Um, <laughs> lemonade. Uh, coconut water. I don't know. Uh, favorite Kari Walgren role? I love my friend so much. Um... I always say Chelsea from Fish Hooks because that, that she's just hilarious and wonderful. Damn it, I I'm still talking. Go on. Uh, favorite Tom Kenny role? My favorite. <laughs> but I mean, I kind of got to go with SpongeBob. I mean, that's just SpongeBob. Um, what what role you want? Uh, which role do you want to play if you were given a chance to? 
think I, I think I think I broke Julie. <laughs> you broke Julie. You broke Julie. That was it. See, because because I can't do it with lightning round because there's no quick answer. I want I don't know. I want to play a marshmallow. I don't know. Just say I Wonder Woman. Marshmallow. marshmallow. <laughs> I, well, that's what's right. That's the thing. How did you know? Why are you listening to my brain? No, because here's the thing. I don't want to replace any of these incredible actresses who have played these roles. So if it's an existing role, I want to keep honoring that person's performance. Would I like to play a Wonder Woman-like character? Of course. You know, of course I want to play a strong warrior hero, right? But again, I mean, you know, Courtney Taylor has played this role and, 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 um, you know, uh, Susan Eisenberg has played this, you know, Rachel Kinsey. There are so many women who have voiced her in, in wonderful ways. So that question always stumps me because, um, I just want to keep honoring the work that my friends have done. I am terrible at lightning round. We have learned (laughs) very important. I think that's my kryptonite. Uh, guys, if you want to invite uh, Ju- Julie to your to your podcast, don't do lightning round. <laughs> don't do lightning it's terrible. Round. I'm so bad at this. Now I feel bad. I'm like, yeah, we'll we'll do lightning round. It's fun, and you're like, no, no, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm I'm thrilled to make fun of myself and make a fool of myself. Let's do more of that. Uh, I told you I worked out to Sesame Street. We can only go up from here. <laughs> God, we need to have you back for more episodes because this is too fun. <laughs> this is too fun. Yay! Uh, that makes me happy. Um, I think we should probably wrap it up now because I think we probably should, you know, kill too much time <laughs> doing lightning round while failing at lightning, lightning round. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. Um, Failure. Now, you know, you know what? Uh, I'll make you feel better. You, 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 you ask me. You ask me questions. You do lightning round on me. Really? Yeah, you, you do lightning round on me. Oh, this is so much power. Oh, I don't know what to do with my power. Okay, favorite smell? Uh, strawberries. Uh, uh, place that you would like to walk? Uh, streets of Ontario, Canada. Nice. If you could fly, where would you go first? Uh. Fly where? No, that's literally it. Like, where would you, like, if you, if you had wings and could actually fly, where would you go first? Uh, top of the Empire State Building. View of everything. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, I have never done this before. If you, uh, what is the name, what is the title of the fiction book that you would write? title of, of a fiction book <laughs> that you that you would write mm-hmm. what is the title of your fiction book um oh that's tough <laughs> <gasps> i think i broke you Fic- oh, no. my depend depend fiction like what what genre are we talking about that's the problem doesn't matter yeah. your fiction book you have decided with your imagination you said i have to write a story and so what is the name of your story Chainsaws and uh, chainsaws and cigarettes. Chainsaws and cigarettes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> chainsaws and cigarettes coming to your bookstore when bookstores are open again. Okay, last question for the lightning round. If you were a mythical creature, what would you be? Um, 
Can I say Gorgon? Because Gorgons are pretty Why cool. Why not? Gorgons are pretty Why cool. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine that you couldn't. So we're done. Lightning round complete. All right. You get all, the points. You get all of the points. All right. So um, before we head out, can you give us an update on <laughs> on what you're working on? And can we? Uh, where can people find you on social media? Where can people find you on social media? Okay. So uh, uh, social media, I'm very active on the Twitters because I am very verbal and the words are there. So uh, um, I am Julie underscore Nathanson, N-A-T-H-A-N-S-O-N. That is also my handle, Julie underscore Nathanson on Instagram, where uh, I am attempting to understand Instagram because it's a lot of pictures and fewer words, which, as you can tell, would be confounding to me. Um, And in terms of projects, you know, Cold War, uh, you know, um, Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, Zombies just came out, um, I guess it was last week. Very excited. I had played, as we discussed earlier, Samantha Maxis as a little girl um, for the past almost decade. And uh, now I get to play her as uh, as an adult. And it's really exciting. And I'm proud of the game and proud of what we're doing. Um, I am in Bug Snacks. That just came out too, and that's a really wonderful uh, game where I am several, I believe, six different bug snacks, including baby cake legs, bambino, banopper, egg roll, sprinkle peed, and who did I miss? Peel bug. Wow, I did that from memory. And let's see, I talked about World of Warcraft. Uh, Shadowlands just came out today. I play Clea. And uh, I have Great Pretender, uh, which is on Netflix right now. Really cool um, animated series. And, yeah, it's just uh, it, there's lots of stuff going on, man. I don't know what to say. It's, it's been a really bizarre experience to be locked in at home making really exciting projects that I know will entertain other people locked in their homes. And um, gotten to work on some pretty amazing projects, some that have yet to come out, um, and uh, and ones that I I hope will help entertain and distract people, and maybe go on their list of things that make them feel more joyful, just like Death Grips makes you joyful. <laughs> All right, thank you so so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been a very wonderful episode, and I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I did too. Thanks for having me on. And we'll love to have you on again sometime soon, if you know, hopefully, because <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Well, next time, I will have my lightning round questions ready for you. I'm right. I'm very excited. I'm gonna start my list now. All right, thanks you so much. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.